So if you're looking for a good Bible story which stands out and has got some magnificent parts to it, you do, uh, you do well to look at the story of Jonah. It's a dramatic plot, and it's one which brings a lot of things into the, uh, into the area of Christian compelling reading and behavior. It may not seem that at first when we look at the thing in the Old Testament and look at the setting there, but, but no wonder children love it. We heard from that dear little girl, didn't we, who, who knew that story so well. Uh, but the problem is, the problem is, with this man-eating whale, sometimes it's difficult to get past the whale. If you ask people out in the street what they know about the story of Jonah and the whale, I would guarantee most would that they will stop at the whale. The whale is the focal point. It's what happened in the end. Jonah was eaten by the whale. Why? What next? And a lot of people haven't got a clue. They've not looked beyond the whale. Got stuck there. Now last week, it was quite interesting, I was actually playing a, uh, for the, a service elsewhere in the church, our daughter church actually, Holly Lodge. I was playing the piano there and I didn't realise at the time, but back here at Burlington, Simon had got a subject, his sermon title was Getting Beyond the Wall. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't until I got back here, I had to come back to do one or two things, and I was speaking to Andrew, well that's, that's odd, he says there's only two letters different from Simon's title, because I told him my subject was going to be getting beyond the whale. Simon, of course, I, and I wasn't here, but I understand, having a quick look through uh, bits and pieces, that he was talking about how difficult it is sometimes in our Christian life to get beyond a certain point. We get weary with well-doing, and we give up, and we need to push forward. And I think he used that illustration, did he not, having run through the, that wall of pain in the marathon? How and I've never run a marathon, they didn't have them in my day, they hadn't been invented, but we did used to run, <laughs> well, there you go, I'm pretty old, but the, well, I did used to run long-distance running, country, cross-countries, in fact, my brother John reminded me only last week that both John, my brother John and I, both won the Boys Brigade Battalion cross-country in our different years, and we have medals to prove it. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning, but getting beyond that pain barrier is so important. Getting beyond the whale, friends, is so vital, so vital. You see, the story which Sally beautifully read to us earlier in the service doesn't give us much detail about the author of, of, uh, of the book. Um, we know that he was mentioned once in, I think it was Kings, one Kings, uh, two Kings, was it? But apart from that, there's no real mention of Jonah at all in the Bible. It sets the story, though, in Kings is probably taking place around about the 8th century BC. So it's going go back a long way. The interesting thing is that God called Jonah, who was a relatively unknown prophet. He could have chosen a prophet like Isaiah or Amos or Hosea, Nahum, someone who was a bit more upmarket, if you like, a bit more upfront, certainly well known. No, he chose Jonah. And I love that. I think that's fantastic because, you see, God uses Everybody. You don't have to be a famous person. You don't have to be a Prince William. It's nice if you are, I expect. Especially if you're Kate Middleton just nowadays. She's not Kate Middleton anymore, is she? Is she Kate Whale? Prince of Wales? Sorry. <coughs> However, um, you see, 
sometimes we overlook the fact that we as individuals, us, just ordinary me, ordinary you, can be used by God. Jonah, you see, was a prophet, would you believe, from Galilee, and he was reluctant to go to Nineveh, which is roughly the Iraq, Iran area, and instead uh, he, he went in the opposite direction. He was supposed to have gone to Nineveh to, to preach to the people there, to tell them to repent of their evil ways. I got told off once by my wife recently, well, I'm always being, no, and, and I got told off because I was preaching and she said, you gave too much detail of the horrible bits that the, that the people in Nineveh had, uh, had, had done. No, I'm not going to go through that. You read them. You go on the internet. It's grossly awful, brutal people. Jonah didn't want to go there. He didn't see why he should go and preach to a group of, of horrible people who he didn't think deserved God's mercy. No, why should he? So he ran away. So instead of going to, uh, to, to the kind of that area, he went to what was probably in those days almost the other ends of the known world. He went to Tarshish, somewhere near the southern tip of Spain, about as far as you could have gone in those days anyway. And God's judgment on him was because of his disobedience. He hadn't gone where God wanted him to go. He chose to do what he wanted to do. So at the outset, it seems that, God, that Jonah's struggle with God uh, was down, well, you'd have thought probably because he didn't want to go to see these people in Nineveh because he feared his own survival. He might have thought, well, if they're like that to their own people, goodness knows, how are they going to be towards me? What chance do I stand if they're a hostile nation? And they were known for that. What chance do I stand if I go there? And in any case, how could God possibly be interested in this group of people? Why should he? They don't deserve God's help. How could God forgive them? They're an evil nation. Beyond the pale. It isn't until we look into chapter 4 where we discover that in talking to God, Jonah said... I didn't want to go there because I, 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 I know you're a compassionate God. You see, Jonah's fear, I think, was that he knew God would do what he said. He knew God would forgive them. And Jonah didn't like that. It didn't suit Jonah. He made his judgment of the people. He didn't allow God to make his own judgment of them. I wonder how it is that Sometimes when God demands something of us that is unpalatable, something we simply just don't want to do, something we feel isn't right anyway and, and may be uh, intolerably hard for us to do, I wonder how we respond to that. Interesting thing is that Jonah was given some rest, wasn't he? He, he was in that boat and, and there was an awful storm. And at one point he was even prepared to throw away his life. He said to the sailors, throw me overboard, you know, Let's get rid of this storm. It's my fault. I've done things that I know I shouldn't have done. God told me to do this and I haven't. I've disobeyed him. It's my fault. Throw me overboard. He was even prepared to sacrifice his own life because of what he'd done, rather than change his mind. Now, how obstinate is that? How obstinate is that? Sometimes, you know, God may be saying to us, look, I want you to do this. Oh, I don't want you to do that. It could be that, couldn't it? Uh, oh, no, not me. And we dig our heels in. And we're obstinate. And we'll do anything 
but do what God wants us to do. And, and this is kind of what happened to Jonah, because he, he, he ran away. It's a bit drastic, wasn't it, when he said, throw me into the sea, a bit final. He'd already frightened the sailors anyway, and, and, uh, and so in the end, although they didn't want to, they did throw him overboard. But God hadn't finished yet. That wasn't the end. God had something for Jonah to do. He still wanted Jonah for further service. And you know, how rebellious can you and I be? I should have said that the other way. How rebellious can I and perhaps some of you be when we refuse to do what we actually know God is saying? I want you to do this. And, and, and we just don't. We, 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 we just don't. The title of the sermon this morning is Getting Beyond the Well, Getting Past the Well, because those are the sort of things in our lives, those things which block us, those things which we come up against and we refuse to look beyond. We get stuck there. It's so big an obstacle. Well, it's a pretty big creature, isn't it? I know they come in different shapes and sizes, and that's probably minuscule compared with most, but we get stuck, don't we, behind an object, a thing, something in our lives, and and we, it's too big for us to, to look over or look under or look round, look past anyway. And so we continue in our own way. God says, I don't want that. I want you to do what I want you to do. And so what did God do? Well, he rescued Jonah. He rescued him because he hadn't finished with him. He said, no, I've got some more work for you. And he rescued him. And that's the big problem, you see, with the story because lots of people don't recognise that it's the whale God sent who rescued Jonah from what would have been otherwise certain death. So the creature which people talk about that came and gobbled up Jonah, that was the end of the story, is just the beginning. It's God rescuing. And we see that, don't we, in the, in the whole of the story of the resurrection, how Jesus rises from the dead, he forgives our sin, and he rescues us from what would otherwise be certain death in this world, and that's it. And Jesus promises more than that. Andrew prayed about that at the beginning of the service. And I think it's important, isn't it, to, um, to realise that actually Jesus in Matthew referred to, to this instant, Jonah. He referred to the three days in the belly of the whale, likening unto when he was going to be crucified and buried. See, the, the Bible's not just a bit here and a bit there. It, it, it's a whole unit of God's word, him speaking to us in different ways. Different parts of the Bible have different emphasis, of course. But in this story, it's important not to get stuck behind this whale. Just to think of the story of a a thing about a big fish. I was interested because when I had the notes, well, the the uh, titles that Simon had suggested for for preachers who were taking services when he wasn't here, um, he actually put in there, nothing to do with fish. Nothing to do with fish. Andrew Gosden, he won't like me to say this, but... When I emailed him to start with, no, I think he emailed me to start with, when he knew my title was going to be Jonah <coughs> the whale, he said, I'm sure we'll have a whale of a time. Well, he had, <coughs> well, whether we do or not, I don't know. Jonah, you see, runs the risk. And the story of Jonah, if we aren't careful, runs the risk of us getting stuck behind the wrong bit. 
You know, I, I kind of have to say this, that um, getting stuck behind anything large, imagine you're going down the motorway and there you are, driving along quite merrily and there's these two lorries overtaking, you know, sort of thing. And the one in the outside lane can't go any faster than the one next to it and you can't get past either and you're stuck behind it and you're getting frustrated and all that. And these things are just going along and, and I, I'm, I'm told the theory of why, but it won't go down that road. Oh, it could, of course, be a caravan, dare I say it. Um, <clears throat> but um, I must admit that one of our church members regards caravans on the road as traffic calming devices. <clears throat> now, you may not agree with that, but getting stuck behind it is such a frustration. And, you know, getting stuck behind this story of Jonah and the whale is actually something to do with you saying, I don't want to see behind this in my life. Do I want to see what God really was? Am I content to be stuck behind this obstacle? I don't want to go any further. I'm comfortable where I am. Or am I prepared to push that aside and to listen to what God is trying to say? You know, if a whale loses its way and beaches, it seems that... And we've seen this happen again and again. No matter what kind of human efforts are engaged, it's pretty impossible to get the thing back on track. You see, again and again, don't you, have these fervent attempts of, of, of well, rescuers trying digging things and, and swishing water over the poor animal and trying to coax it back into sea and sometimes it's successful and it turns around and comes back again and beaches itself. And, and it struck me, we, see we don't understand do we? We just don't understand why a whale keeps coming back and beaches itself again and again and again. Almost, it, it, almost as if it, it doesn't want to be rescued. The difference between that scenario and the scenario that God provides for us in sending us Jesus Christ is that when Jesus wants to rescue us, he does. When we let him, when we get beyond our own personal stuff, our obstructions, our blocks, look beyond that and, and we, we see. But we have to accept that. Our Christian journey <clears throat> is a journey along which we can be assured of God's rescue. He isn't a God who's content to see us flounder. He doesn't want us to keep beaching ourselves. He wants to set us free again. He wants us to, to refloat us. He wants us to, to know more of his love and his great purpose for us. Sometimes we do lose our way, don't we? Jonah certainly did. I know that, uh, I, I guess, I've got to say, I, I do from time to time. We all do. We're human. The problem with Jonah was he didn't want to take on the consequences of his disobedience to God. So he persisted in running away. And I wonder whether that fits with us. Okay, God, I'll do it my way. I'll do it when I want to do it. I'll do it at a time that suits me with people I want. And God sometimes says, no, actually, I want you to do it this way. I want you to think a different way. I want you to get beyond your previous approach. I want you to think more about what I'm really asking you to do. On a very basic level, getting past this well might be something even as simple as saying I'm sorry to someone, something you find hard to do. It might be getting alongside someone that you don't like. 
someone who is kind of person you don't like. You know, we can all think of people. We can conjure up pictures in our mind of people. I wouldn't want to be with him or her. I wouldn't go there. Crumbs, fancy that sort of person coming into the church. What do you... You see, we, we have these prejudices, and, and, and God is saying, look, I made you all. You're all my children. I love each one of you. I care. I provided for each one of you. Don't you limit me. Well, we can't limit God, but don't let's try and do it. Getting, you know, get, get, getting a new approach. Jonah, you see, wasn't so much afraid of going to Nineveh because of fear of his own survival, so much as he didn't want to obey God. He just didn't want to go and preach to those people the love of God to tell them of their need to repent. See, the people we don't like, the people we find it hard to get alongside, still need to know of God's love, even if we don't feel very comfortable about talking to them. Of Jesus. Just imagine you're Jonah. Just imagine you're Jonah for a minute. And you hear God saying to you, I want you to go into this area and tell people of my love. I want you to teach them about the way I have sacrificed for you. And you you don't you don't want to do that because the the people, in your opinion, are ungodly. They don't really want to hear. They're anything other than churchified. And, and, and it's almost like a bit of a terrifying experience, isn't it? Opening up and saying, actually, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I, um, I love Jesus. That can be a pretty hard thing to do, can't it? In the group of people who are totally... Well, disinterested, almost. People who have to say deliberately turn away from God. They don't want to know. Sometimes people don't want to know because it's uncomfortable for them to know. And they know it's uncomfortable for them to know, but they still need to know. In the end, you see, Jonah does do what he's told. The interesting thing is that when he did, much as he didn't want to do it, the people repented. Now, would you believe that? He didn't want to do it. God knew it had to be done. Jonah finally did it, and they repented. Hallelujah. And what did Jonah do, for goodness sake? He went and sulked. He wasn't glad. He wasn't happy. Wow. He went and sulked. You see, Jonah discovered that God was actually going to do the work that he said he would and forgive these people, and offer them a, a new start. And Jonah didn't feel they needed that. He didn't feel they deserved that. But God knew them better than Jonah. God was there saying, look, your reluctance to go and talk to these people in Nineveh is all very well, but actually, I've got news for you. It's not you that calls the shots here. I want you to tell people of my love. And even in the last few verses, the last chapter of the book, where we discover that Jonah, first of all, having been spewed up, spat out, delivered, whatever you like, by this whale on, on the beach, went to Nineveh, preached, the people were converted, he still didn't like it, so what did he do? He goes and sulks, he's still a miserable or oh, whatnot. I was talking to a, uh, to a lady at a, uh, another church last week, and uh, she said to me, because their church is studying the story of Jonah, and she said, he was a miserable old thing, wasn't he? Right the way through, right to the very end. I felt quite sorry for him, actually, because nothing happy happened for him. To him. I said, well, actually, 
I can tell you her name, but it doesn't really matter. Her name is Francis. I said, Francis, I'll tell you this, that whether he was happy or not, God was obviously happy he'd done the work. But you know, what did God do? He protected Jonah. At that point, Jonah had exhausted himself. Uh, and, and he went and he sat down by this, in the sun, and it was hot, so John, Jonah was, was scorching away. And, and, and what did God do? He produces this vine which comes out of nowhere and covers him up and, and, and shades him from the tree, We've actually, from the sun. We've actually had some really lovely weather this, this last uh, few weeks, haven't we? It's been hot. And I guess, like me, you've been sheltering from it. Jonah had this shelter. And there was his vine over the top of him, and there he is fast asleep. So God has this worm come along and eat the thing up. Hang on a minute, God. He said, what are you doing? You've taken away the very thing that you sent to protect me. And God had to say to him, do you know, you're more concerned about yourself, you're more concerned about what's happened to you, because I've taken the shade away from you than ever you were about those people of Nineveh who you choose not to go and preach to till you were kind of forced to it. Get the picture? How often are we more concerned to do what we want for ourselves than what God wants us to do for other people. And that might mean a change of approach. It might mean a change of approach individually, of course, or even within a church. Who knows? And so here we have this story of Jonah, which in the Old Testament days would have conveyed a strong message to those of the Jewish establishment who shared his view, which was that there are some people who are beyond it. God didn't come for them. God came for his chosen race and everybody else outside it. And that we know not to be true. Jesus taught God loves everybody. I came into the world, he said, to preach to everybody, to teach everybody, to love everybody, to embrace everybody. Jew and Gentile alike. Race doesn't matter. Colour, status doesn't matter. God loves us all. From the worst person to the best of all. Hard-hitting book is Jonah. An uncomfortable message. And getting past the whale, if you like, so we can become the sort of people God wants us to be when he finally uses us more effectively is what we've got to aim at. On a human level, you know, we in society are very keen to mark the indiscretions of criminals. We want somehow to mark it as, apart from any kind of litigation which seems to be the thing nowadays we, uh, for the person who was wronged. We want to punish. We want to punish the, the criminal. We want to mark him. And forgiveness and grace don't come easily. And you can see why when you can see some of the awful things that happen. But you see, when you look at the Bible, this story of Jonah, it is a reflection of today's society. It's a reflection of how we can see God's grace coming through. God who has time for everybody and a forgiving God, by my grace, he says, I'm ready to forgive. Now, I don't understand how he can do that, but he does. And I find great comfort in that. And as Christians, we need to constantly keep in mind God's nature is a, a God of grace, a God of love, a God of forgiveness who's prepared to help us past our whales. What's the whale in my life? What's the whale in your life? Or what are the whales in our life, if you like? The things that hold us back. Because nobody, you see, is off limits in God's eyes. We're, we're, all, we're all 
one. Everybody's the same. Don't let's be like Jonah and underestimate the, how much we can do for him. And certainly don't let's make it worse by refusing to do what we think he's telling us to do, what we believe and we pray for guidance and when we get it we ignore it because we want to do it our way. The disobedience which threatened his very survival is just like the threat to our survival when we continue to disobey God's demand on our lives. And Jesus called on our lives to give ourselves over to him and to, and, and to follow him, to, to, to love him, to learn from his example. I don't know whether you know or ever thought of it, but I think you can run away from God without actually doing any running at all. Don't actually physically have to run. We can just ignore. We can just pretend we haven't heard. We do need, don't we, to take ourselves out of our comfort zones if God is going to use us effectively. And when we let God use us effectively, then then miracles begin to happen. Then we begin to see the results. We begin to see, having handed over to God, how he works with us, to use us as his ambassadors, people who can give others hope, bring alive the despair in their lives, lift them from the despond. God's mercy and salvation is for everybody, isn't it?